0: Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 271 of the Big Show, some enforcer based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's to you, my fellow loyal listeners. What's happening out there? Hope everybody had a good Christmas. I apologize for being a little late. Um, yeah, got kind of hung up yesterday. Was having some uh, internet problems out here, and uh, yeah, just kind of uh, snowed in. And uh, like like everyone else seems to be in the uh, in the Western world here snow is flying, and um, I hope everybody down there, I saw just saw the news here briefly as I was kind of going through the living room <clears throat> uh this afternoon, where I saw Buffalo had like frozen in, and yeah, and then I saw Seattle with the ice storm and everything else, yeah, and I mean, Saskatchewan, we got hit here pretty hard with the snow, we've been really shoveling out, and um, yeah, didn't go to work today, Um yeah, really, basically the highway is pretty much closed from the town here, so, um you know, I have a... <clears throat> I'm fortunate in the fact that I have a, a million sick days and a million vacation days and I used one today I'm like yeah I don't think I'm gonna I think they can uh I think the garbage can live without me for a day but um yeah so we basically shoveled for about an hour today and uh got it all cleared off and uh hopefully the hopefully the roads and the highway are better tomorrow and and uh we get back at her but um uh, but yeah man the weather and and then you're seeing the of course the air traffic uh, you know air airlines this time of year well this time of year always bad but holy man oh man i'm feeling for people and uh i hope uh i hope everybody listening managed to uh make it home or their loved one made it home safely or got to them and uh and yeah because that uh that is bad news out there um yeah, I had a, a, a work colleague, they were supposed to go down to Cuba, and on the 21st, or no, the 20th, and I think it was, no, it was earlier than that, I think it was even the 18th or 19th, and it was like the 23rd, they still hadn't gotten, they hadn't even left Saskatoon yet, you yeah, so it was just like, you know, fuck it, give me some money, and they got their money back and everything, but that's kind of not the point, right? I mean, and that's the thing, I mean, you, you, you get yourself so excited to, you know, to go somewhere, and you're all hyped up, and you know how it is, you know. For weeks leading up to it, um, you're just, you're a, you're a, you know, like, let's go. And, you know, and especially when the weather's really shitty, like really cold here and a lot of snow, you're just like, Oh, I'm going to be drinking Mai Tais on the beach in less than 24 hours and it's going to be great. And I'm going to be, you know, up swimming in the clear blue waters and blah, blah, blah. Then next thing you know, you're sitting on a tarmac for 10 hours in a plane and, uh, and then told you're not going. Um, so no, I felt bad for him. So. Uh, yeah, and for everybody out there. But I mean, other than that, the holiday season. I hope everybody's Christmas went well. Um, yeah, had, we had uh, fun here. It was it was great. Actually, my brother actually had Christmas day off this time. Um, that normally doesn't happen, so it was a lot of fun. We we're at my parents' house. um we had to shovel the driveway before everybody could, could park in it. But uh, uh, we had we had fun there for the day, and then. I was out at the in-laws the next day and uh and same thing. Uh you know, it, was, it it was fun and I mean Christmas is definitely for the kids and uh you know, the nieces and nephews had a great time and uh you know, got to, uh lots of stuff and it was good to see them and good to see them enjoying the holidays and um yeah, it was just fun. Uh you know, so I I had a a nice couple of days and uh actually had a pretty good that's the cool thing when you know when Christmas is on the weekends and stuff cuz you know, you get those days off and then Lou days off and blah, blah, blah. So you're not really taking any holidays and you're getting four or five days off. So, um, it really worked out this year. And, uh, so I was, I I was really thankful for that. So that was cool. And, uh, and yeah, and then of course with new year's coming up here, same thing right on the weekend and then the Monday, Tuesday off and blah, blah, blah. So, um, that'll be cool. Although I'll probably, I'm going to probably go in and work a few hours here and there just to, you know, make some overtime bucks for Vegas in February. But, uh, uh, yeah. So, but, uh, Anyway, I hope everybody had a good Christmas and everything. Um, Yeah, uh, pretty, um, to be completely honest, of course, obviously with Christmas going on and the running here, there and everywhere and snowing and everything else. um, To be completely honest, I mean, podcasting really wasn't on my mind. Um, I know I did record on the 24th. Um, You know, that was sort of, I don't want to say haphazardly put together. But it was. And, um, but, uh, no, I, I mean, to be completely honest, I haven't put a lot of, um, um, cause normally I'm always, when I, when I come up with my ideas and stuff for my episodes or working on, uh, you know, like that was the thing, Christmas week, Christmas, I, I wasn't going to start getting a hold of guys and, Hey, can you come on my show for three hours during Christmas, you know, with school breaks and everything going on I wasn't certainly going to start asking people around for interviews or anything like that so I really didn't um you know uh you know bang the phone line so to speak to do that um at the same time I wasn't really in my truck a lot uh because that's normally like I said I got my sticky notes in there and I kind of as things come to me or if I'm on on break or wherever and I'm kind of quickly scrolling through Twitter or Facebook or whatever something catches my eye and I'm like oh yeah I should talk about that I like write shit down right um, I, I really did. I didn't do that at all. So, um, I, actually after we shoveled today, and we came in and showered and I sit down in my chair in the, in the, in the basement and I'm just kind of sitting there like, okay, well, I I have to get Wednesday's episode done today. Um, you know, what should I talk about? So I kind of, uh, you know, sat there and went over a few things and, um, yeah, not a lot. Um, I did come up, um. And I'm, I've talked about it before, but I kind of looked into some numbers and everything. Um, and I mean, we see it all the time and people talk about it at nauseum. And it's like, you know, hits always lead to fights and blah, blah, blah. And this whole thing. Um, so I went digging around to see, like, it's an easy statement to make because, oh, everyone says it. So it must be true, right? Well, is it? Does anybody actually look at the numbers or do they just say shit because they've read it somewhere or at this point, everyone and their dog says, why do clean hits always lead to fights and everything else? So um, let, we'll get to the bottom of this, right? And um, yeah, so I will share with you my findings. Um, also, um, uh, just, just kind of some enforcer talk. Um, should, does the game need it? That type of thing. It was, a, it was a, it was a topic that was brought up on Facebook. So I'll throw that at you guys. And, uh, and then I, oh, I got a list. Old guy, Tim. I might not even call him list guy, Tim. I might call him old guy, Tim. I just discovered Tim's older than I am. So, you know, maybe I should, I should maybe get into the microphone a little closer so he can hear me. Um, you know, that's what, that's what happens when you get old, right? You lose your hearing and stuff. But, um, no, I have a list for Tim. And it is the top ten all-time toughest Detroit Red Wings. So we'll get into that. Um, imagine if he isn't number one. That'll be interesting. Could you imagine that? I'll get, I'll get hate mail for that. Like I said, with the lists, I don't look at them ahead of time. I discover them with you, the listeners. So your reaction you're getting when I'm reading it is genuine. And uh, so I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm assuming old old BP is number one, but. You know, we'll see, but you never know with these writers. I mean, it's The Athletic, read by The uh, Unathletic, written for The Never Athletic. Uh, oh, no, it's not The Athletic. Who, who wrote this? Uh, the Hockey Writers. Well, we'll see then. We'll see. But uh, we'll get into all that. But before we get into all that, uh, I'm going to tell you about a few friends of mine. I think you guys will dig. Um... Not only am I a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams have podcasts. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a podcast for you. And um, of course, got Alec out there. He's out in a duck blind somewhere. He had he finally he got away from the in laws. He's he's back home. He was down in Florida for a few days and running around for Christmas and everything else. And as soon as he got home, he told the wife, "I'm I'm gonna I'm ditching you. I got to put on my camouflage." And my gun and my, my duck call and I gotta go sit out in the muck and mud and uh you know and and shoot at flying things. So that's what he's doing. So he's not hearing me right now. I don't know who lo- he might be in that he might be there for three or four days. I don't know. I don't know what a duck blinds how long he's sitting in there for, I don't know. She might have told him to stay out there for three or four days. So needless to say, he hasn't put out anything for a little bit. His last episode was a Kerry Toporowski special. That was, that was really good though. Um, I don't want to say it was really good because I was on it because I think my portion of the show was probably, probably the weakest, but no, I wouldn't say that. No, that Jay from Iowa was on there. So I will say his was the weakest, but mine wasn't much better. I mean, that's sort of like being the nicest guy in prison, you know, saying you're better than that guy, but, uh, Mark McFarlane came on later and saved the episode. But no, it was a special to Kerry Toporowski and it was pretty cool. So I hope you guys check it out. Plus Alec does have a good back catalog by Lois LeGroy, Rob Ray. Uh, tremendous job. Uh, that pains me to say it, but, uh, old, uh, Elmer Fudd there. He has a, he, he has a good podcast. He does a, he does a good job. Um, but yes, so definitely five for fighting. Check that out. Also check out his YouTube channel. Um, YouTube did shut down his old, his old, uh, channel, but he's back up sort of a 2.0 version of it. And right now he's taking fan submission videos. He's actually put up quite a few up there and there's been some really great tilts in the, in the East Coast league this year. So I highly recommend you checking out the five for fighting podcast as well as the five for fighting YouTube channel. Um, as I always say, hit the little subscribe when you go to YouTube, hit the like and the bell notification and the subscribe button. That's it. That's all you got to do. That way when you log in, all the new stuff will come up for, uh, will come right up on your feed when you come into YouTube, uh, each time. I mean, that's, that's pretty good. You don't have to go searching for it. All you have to do is hit the subscribe button. So please do so. Um, speaking of YouTube channels, uh, fourth line voice on YouTube. I have over 2,500 fight videos. All the leagues are represented. Again, just type in whatever league you're searching for. Boom. Up, up they'll come. Quebec League, LNH, NHL, AHL, MOUSE, it's all there. Check it out. And uh I think again, hit the subscribe button. You'd be helping myself out. And like I got always say with with anybody's YouTube channel or any podcast that you listen to. I'm not just saying for mine, but error Alex. Any any show that you listen to, Rogan's or whatever, 32 Thoughts or whatever the podcast, some Civil War podcast, whatever. Um if you could rate the show and review the show. You don't even have to, well. You don't even have to write like some big synopsis. Just say, hey, good job. That's all you got to put. No, or don't even put anything. Just hit the star rating um, because that helps the show out. Um, not only for demographic wise. Uh, well, I always say, download it. Don't stream. Downloading helps the creator as well because they just they know how many people are listening, where they're listening, what platform they're listening to it on, uh, the analytics of it all, which uh actually helps out the creator. So it's all these little things it doesn't you're just sitting there listening anyway how hard is it boom done one button just take your finger hit smash the button hit the hit the five stars <coughs> four stars alex's case one star I don't know my case uh, two stars whatever it may be it would be appreciated in all seriousness so for the creator for the for any creator believe me that they, they appreciate that so but speaking of creators, Jordan at the 5 and a Game uh, YouTube channel has come out with... He a, he, yeah, what a busy dude, man. I wish I had his uh, his motor there. He's putting out a video every second day, it seems. Tommy Bolduke is his latest uh, kind of in his docu-series, so to speak. It's about an 18-minute video. And he shows fights, and he talks about the fight cards and just different little antidotes about the player. And uh, he had George Davis, and he's done uh, uh, Marc-Andre Waugh. And Marty Doyle and, and just a Samuel DuPlain, a number of people. And, uh, so definitely five in a game, the YouTube channel. Again, check it out. Hit the subscribe button. As I said earlier, um, I'm also, I also think he has it in, he has it in audio form as well. Um, if you happen to be somewhere, you just want to, uh, um, listen to a dude talk about some of the toughest guys that have, have gone through the Quebec major junior league. There's the podcast five in a game. Check it out. Like I said, they're not like me and my, my my circling the drain and beating the horse for an hour and a half Um He gets in and out pretty quick 15 20 minutes um, But I know if you go to YouTube um The first couple were kind of audio, but I know the last few have had video attached to them. I apologize I haven't I haven't been doing any like I said I've been with, with Going out the holidays and the parents and the in-laws and then with all the snow and everything else I haven't had a chance to actually sit down and do anything YouTube related or anything. So I haven't watched too much. I haven't listened to anybody's shows um, Recently, so I have a lot of catching up to do here in the new year But I know in his last couple episodes he has included videos So go to the YouTube channel five in a game check Jordan out good dude, and uh, I think you'll dig it and then finally Last but not least well, maybe least uh, no he's not least he's Well, he's a good guy Uh Joel Joel of course at the uh, Nordiques Knuckles podcast. He's back at it, folks. He's back in the saddle. His first guest was Trevor Steinberg. Now he has a new guest. Uh, and That was three parts, and now we have part one of, with Ken McCray. And uh, looking forward to listening to that. Um, Joe always does a great job um, by the time, believe me, when the episode's done, you will know the player inside and out. You will know him better than he knows himself. That's how thorough Joe is. But, uh, of course, he previously had the podcast, The Coliseum Chronicles. It was an island New York Islander podcast. And he had about 80 episodes, depending on your math. And uh, he did a great job with it. Now he's moved on to the Nordiques uh, specific podcast. And uh, I know he's got some really cool guests lined up. I'm not going to throw out names, but him and I have talked about it. And I'm glad Joe is back in the game. And uh, Ken McRae just came out t- uh, yesterday, Tuesday. So, um, yes, check that out. Joe Lazito, you know, Joe won't let you down. Not often anyway. But uh here we are. We're at it, folks. Let's let's get at this show, shall we? Um well at the top of the show. Oh yeah, hey. Before we even get into that, can you hear that? I have hockey cards here, folks from dollarama over christmas score 1991 oh part series two pardon me so let's uh we're we're gonna do this i always say on an audio podcast let's open hockey cards everyone this is people are on the edge of their seat when i do this oh well, there we go you know we're starting off hot rod the bod brindamore there we go uh russ romanuk stefan beauregard ken hammond Ken Priestley, Lucien Deblois. Well, this is a real hot package here. Brian Leach, man. If you, I'll, I'll say one thing. Of course, the old remember the old Genesis days when you were the Rangers old Leachy there. He he was awesome. But uh, yeah, what a player. You go back and look at his stats. Unbelievable. NHL brothers, the Cavallini's. Oh, there we go. Al McGinnis, the franchise. Yeah, old Al. He could tear up without a doubt. Oh, Brett Hall. There we go. Paul Gillis, Brent Fetic. Oh, Jason Goulet is on the edge of his seat right now. The old, uh, oh, here we go. Old William Chip. I better not, I better, I gotta put this under lock and key. William, we breaking in for this one. The Barbarian, Sean Cronin. There we go. Cronin the Barbarian. Oh, another tough guy. Uh, Nick Kiprios. I know Kipper. I know Kipper takes a lot of shit and stuff, but he was another guy. Unbelievable. He had um, in the OHL with North Bay, sixty-two goals. And uh, as he pointed out one time, I remember watching the Flyers drafted him, and uh, and right away they wanted to turn him into a tough guy. He says, "What team drafts a guy with that scored sixty-two goals in one season and then want to turn and then wants to turn him into a fighter?" You know, uh, definitely a different time back then. And there is some validity to that. I mean, that's uh, yeah, got to kind of question some. you got to question uh, your, the GM and the coach at that point. Yeah, we got a kid here that scored 62 goals. Yeah, Can he tilt? I mean, you know but Kiprios wasn't that bad like I said, he. I mean, he catches a lot of shit but um, I don't know, I think I, I always liked him. He, you know, he'd fight wide open. I mean, you know, was Nick Kiprios a killer? Well, no. But I mean you know, overall, I mean, you know, goddamn, he's playing these days. he'd look at King Kong, but um, but not a solid player at a couple twenty goal seasons and won a cup with the Rangers and had some great tilts. And uh, again, you know, he was a you know good kind of wing guy, you know, or a, like a sidekick, you know, number two and number three. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you could slap him on the third line. Obviously, a sixty-two goal season, junior. You know, he has an idea of what's going on. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunately, the kind of the, the concussions and everything. And then the, you know, that vicious, you know, Vanna Bush, of course, that fight, that, that's what ended it all. And that, that was really gross to see, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, no, I'm down with Nick Kiprios. I mean, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, so there we are, score 1991 series two. Thank God they didn't come up with series three, but, um, Yes, there we go. That, that's the, that's the excitement, the excitement level. We're opening hockey cards on a on an audio po- on an audio podcast. Well, let's get into this hitting thing here. Um, of course, everybody out there listening. I mean, you've all read, and perhaps you believe it as well. Um, that and I will say because my brother and I talked about this uh Christmas on Christmas when we were sitting there um or did we I know I've talked to him about this before um it's like well every time there's a hit there's a fight and that seems to be the general sentiment that you know that people always talk about <clears throat> and I guess now um and it was like well even i uh, a couple days ago I put up I found an old IHL clip of this guy throwing this hip check at the blue line and I put it up and it got a couple thousand views and a couple of the comments were like oh finally you know the old days when you could hit a guy you didn't have to fight and blah 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 um you know you didn't have to do that back then and it it always sort of amused me it's like well guys had to fight after hits back in the day too I mean I always you know this particular clip no also the guy that what also people failed to realize is the guy that Was throwing the hit in the clip, had a full cage on because he had a broken jaw. So it's like no one was going to fight the guy anyway. Um, But that's beside the point. Regardless, um, I mean, guys fought over hits before. You know, this isn't a new thing, we'll put it that way. You know, it's like goes back to like, oh, remember when Wendell drilled Bruce Bell behind the net? Immediately, Charlie Bourgeois comes in and tries to fight him. Um, Clark eventually backs off and just sort of points at Bruce Bell. and was like, yeah, you better go scoop this guy up, check on him. Um, you know, that's one incident. I mean, um, uh, that one just came to mind because I actually just kind of watched that hit like literally a day ago. Um, but no, it, um, there was lots of times that hits led to fights. So, um, but I think now with the amount of coverage and everybody sees everything now, um, that, and again, I'm not going to, I'm not trying to be the guy to, I mean, everyone know, I don't watch modern day, I don't like current NHL hockey, I don't watch it, um, well, unless forced to, um, but I, you know, it's not on at my house, as I always say, um, but I do see things going on, and obviously being in social media, in podcasting, kind of having to be on social media, I see what people are saying, and I see clips and everything else, um, so when I'm, when I'm saying this, I'm not saying it to be old grandpa Simpson yelling at the clouds, of the bitter old guy. I'm just saying this as far as, for, as we're talking about this particular topic. Um, I think, you know, the fact that everybody can see everything. Uh, so when it, there is a hit and guys, you know, go after the guy or whatever, that's where this whole, oh, every time there's a hit, there's a fight. Well, I don't know. I, I think nowadays, and truly I think they just They hit so seldom now That I, It just I guess it just stands out more I suppose I mean I mean I, I guess that that could be A working theory that we could go with Um You know I, I just um Like I said people always like to say it And so I decided to dig in Like I said and do some uh, I like to do this I've done this every year I throw this out there um you know, let's see it. Well, right away, the first thing I looked up was what NHL team leads the league in hits. So per average, per game, um, the Pittsburgh Penguins, are number one um, with the most average hits per game. Uh, they lead the league, and they have exactly two fights as a team. So there you go. The team that leads the league in hits has two fights. They are actually sec, sadly there is a team with one and I off the top of my head, I can't remember who it is, but yes, two fights, uh, as a team, the Penguins, but now, as they say to be devil's advocate, number two is the Flyers. They're second in team hits and they are first in fights with 20. Again, we're not talking, you know, it's the Broad Street bully days, but I mean, that looks like total wreckage when you when you look in today's game um number three was the nashville predators um and they have 16 fights which is third um so they're third in hits and third in fights and fourth is the ottawa senators um they are actually fifth in fights with 15 and then fifth is the New York Rangers, and they are 13th in fighting majors with 11. So there, maybe there is some correlation a little bit with some hitting and some fights. As I said, we had the the first, third, and fifth teams um, up there in fights. If you're wondering, um, uh, uh, the, well, the Flyers have were tied with actually the Vancouver Canucks with 20 fights to lead the league, and Vancouver is actually 15th in total hits as a team. So, um, you know, it's, it's quite the, well, it's quite the thing, right? That the team with the most hits has the least amount of team fights, and then the team with the most hit fights is second in hits. So, you know, that for, it it sort of makes the argument sort of a soft, doesn't it? Um, you know, and then if you go to individual hit leaders, uh, Luke Shen for Vancouver is leading the league in hits with 159, and uh, he has four fights. So, again, this every time there's a hit, there's a fight. Well, 155 times that Shen hit somebody, there wasn't one. So, you know, uh, Delorier, though, is second in hits, and he is first in fights with eight. He has 145 hits, eight fights. Uh, Tyler Janow is third, 128 hits five fights. Then Garnet Hathaway is fourth. Uh, he has one fight. And then Matt Martin is fifth with five fights. So, um, you, like I said, you have a guy with one hit. Like Luke Shen, Larry said, the league leader, and he has four fights. So the league leader in hits with 160 has four tilts. So, I guess oh, every time there's a hit, there's a fight. Well, clearly that shows that there isn't. Uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins again demonstrate there isn't. Um, just for ki- just for shits and giggles, it actually came up. I am um, not sure when they kept. Uh, actually, hold on. I am going to hit pause. Hold on. I am going to put on my investigative journalism hat here. Okay, it is oh five oh six wh- is when the NHL started keeping track of hits. So, having said that, I went and looked at the top five all time NHL hitters, leading hitters. Number one was Kyle Clutterbuck. Number two was Dustin Brown. Number three, Matt Martin. Number four, Ovechkin. Number five, Lucic. Um, in terms of career fights, uh, like I said, Kyle Clutterbuck <coughs> is the all-time hit leader, and I, I didn't write it was 3,600. 3, fight uh, hits. He has ten career fights. Uh, Dustin Brown has twelve career fights. Matt Martin, I'm not, I'm sure it's a hundred and some with Matt Martin. Um, Ovechkin has three career fights and Lucic again, he's over, would we say he was a hundred or something, something like that. 90, 90 something or a hundred. I didn't look that up, but so once again, um, Clutterbuck and who's, and Dustin Brown who are one, two all time in career hits sort of once again, uh, it's 3,600 career hits and he has 10 fights. So clearly, um, and then Dustin Brown at 3,500 or something and has 12 fights, so and then, like I said, Ovechkin, which is pretty amazing that he's actually throwing 3,000 and some hits. Um, makes me question how they keep That's I'd be interested to know how they come up with that stat. Because, I mean, you're always kind of bumping into guys, rubbing guys, you know, whatever. What's an actual hit? Because I know the few times that we've sat around, I've watched games, and then between periods they come up, oh, 10 body checks to 12, you know, 12 hits to 10. Well, I didn't hear the fucking boards rattle once, so I don't know what you're counting here. Uh, You know, uh, bumping into each other counts or, you know. So I'm not quite sure what constitutes a hit. But I will say with the Ovechkin thing, of course, 800 career goals. um, You know, and he is physical. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not an Ovechkin guy, but I mean I'm not going to sit here and, you know, um, say he isn't physical because clearly he is a big guy, physical. It's amazing actually that he's been able to stay as healthy for the way he runs around and hits people. Um, you know, especially in his younger days, um, you know, I've always said Ovechkin's gutless. I mean, the amount of dirty shit that he's thrown, the amount of dirty hits he's thrown, you know, three career fights. Yeah, he's kind of a candy ass. I mean, everybody likes, like, I I mean, I've talked about on this show before, everybody likes to point out, oh, his big knockout of that kid. Well, like, the, the, it was an 18-year-old Russian who'd never been in a fight. He had literally never been in a fight before. So, you know, okay, but Ovechkin, Ov knocked him out. Well, all right, you know. Russian machine never breaks, right? Like, nah, like I said, for the amount of, uh, dirty, like, I mean, and it's not that I'm just some bitter guy over, go to YouTube. There's like 10 minute videos of Ovechkin cheap shots. Just look up Ovechkin cheap shots. There's like two 10 minute videos on them and, you know, from hits from behind everything, elbows and everything else. Never has to back it up or, you know, so I don't know. I've always said he's, he's pretty gutless, but you know, anyway, um, regardless Again, he has over three thousand hits and three fights, and Cutter. So, but you can always say, "Well, he's a star; he doesn't need to fight." Well, Clutterbuck and Dustin Brown certainly aren't stars. No offense, but you know, and they ain't fighting either. Clearly, so um, you know. Once again, um, the whole thing is a myth. Um, I like I said. I guess when you like when you see the clips and everything else, it's it's one of those visual things. It, It appears sometimes that that's the way it is. But it's not. Um, but I mean, there's no convincing people of that, whatever. I, I, mean, I have people that listen to this show that I know listen to this show that I still see on Facebook and the Facebook groups yelling about how clean hits lead to fights. So, um, but at the same time, like I always said, well, you don't like when they fight after clean hits. You don't like when they, when they're staged. You don't like when they go after someone smaller. You don't like when they go out of their way. Like I said, w- w- then when should they fight? Really, you know, like, uh, like I was said, no, no one hates fighting more than fight fans. So, uh, you know, there seems to be a checklist these days and if you don't check it off, oh, you're a goon or you're dirty. It's against the code or whatever other moronic shit that people like to yell. But, and these are fight fans. I expect this on Twitter from like Marner Girl or, you know, or Penguins Rule 69. I expect those clowns. To not like fighting or to yell about the code or be clueless. But I'm in fight groups reading this shit and it's embarrassing. But here we are. But anyway, that was my... I just wanted to throw out some statistical knowledge at you about uh, fighting or hits lead to fights. And now, a message from our sponsors. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That wasn't enough excitement. You can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at even a bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. Alright, uh, moving on. <clears throat> yeah, the Facebook group, uh, the Hockey Fights and Brawls group. There was a post that came up. It was... a. Uh, Honest question for you hockey fans. Do you believe the game as it currently stands today needs more enforcers? Question mark. Um, so, uh, I mean, well, first of all, I can answer it. I mean, does it need more enforcers? Yes. Do the, do the rule, do the rules allow enforcing to work? No. Are there any enforcers coming? No. So this is sort of moot, but I mean, for, for just a general, uh, let's, you know, wistfully long for days of yore then yes let's discuss this but i mean no it's never going to happen but let's let's wade into the comment section and see some of this shit eh all right let's have a look here um that ship has sailed but i wish there was a little more physical play yes um have you seen the ohl for example lately there is no chance of it coming back sadly jeff i completely agree with you um what happens in the O now compared to say five years ago? I mostly followed the WHL. Well, nothing happens in the OHL anymore. Uh, but yet, now I will say, um, old Jesper. Now Jesper, if you listen to my show, you would know this answer. Um, that's why I'm always amazed. I, you know, myself, Alec, Joe, we've all talked about it amongst ourselves. These hockey fights and brawls. Look, 63,000 members in this group, and uh, yet. A very small fraction of these people. Even now, granted, are there 63 active members in the group? No, there is not. But I mean, you know, I'm sure there's a few active thousand, if not contributors, at least uh, lurkers. And like I've always said a bunch of times, I post every day. Every day, I post my episodes in this group. How are, if you're a fight fan, how are you not listening to the show? Now, maybe you listen to it once, you know, this guy's a fucking clown, I'm not listening anymore. Okay, I get that. But it's like, really? You you claim to be massive fight fans, but you don't listen to fight podcasts. I I don't, not just myself, but Joe or Alec, or you know, really? You don't? And like, I've had, like, we, Alec and I, our running joke is like, I've had people go, oh, I didn't know you had a podcast, bro. I'm like, well, I'm on episode, what is it, we're at 271 now, um... You know, pretty much posted every one of them in this group. Really? Never, every day. Like, even when the date, like, you know, Wednesday, Sunday, obviously I put them out, but every day I'm retweeting them, re-upping them, whatever the term of it is, I refresh every day. So, if you come, if you log into the group and you start scrolling, at some point, you're gonna, fairly quickly, you will run into, because it's not like there's 19,000 new topics every day. Um, you know, you'll fairly run into myself or one of our shows. You, you didn't know that really like, fuck. Uh, I'm not saying I'll, I expect every member to ever that joins to listen to the show, but I just don't understand if, I don't know. You claim to be a big fight fan. Would you not listen? Just saying, I don't know. So, I mean, for the people out there listening, I mean, that's why we say, that's why to go off on a tangent here. I'll get back to this in a sec in a second. And it's something I brought up on this show before, and Alec has said it and everything else. And, you know, again, I'm not going to circle the drain with it, but I'll just quickly throw it out there again. Um, like I said, we, I, well, as I illustrated just now, that, yeah, we post in these groups constantly, and, you know, now and again, you pick up a new member here and there, but, eh, you know, it's slim pickings. Um, I know you got to beat him over the head with it, apparently. But that's why I always say, you guys listening, you guys are my billboard. Um, I need you guys to tell people, Oh, you should listen to this guy's show, or if you're a fan of Alex Stoyanov, he did a show on him a couple days ago, or if you're a fan of the, he just interviewed this guy, or he's talking about his top 10, or he's talking about Bob Probert's all time, whatever. I mean, you know, like I said, to get on the, get on your telephones, people, tell a friend, email him, tweet them, send him the link, whatever it takes. Um, like I said, the, the listeners of the podcast, like I said, I don't have an alcohol named after me. I'm not on Barstool. I'm not knocking the hockey podcast network. They've been great to me, not knocking Dylan and Nisha and them. They were, they've been awesome, but Barstool, we are not TSN. I am not, you know, so, um, you know, which the, you know, just a massive platform and reach that they have. Um, so we're a little, the little network we could. I mean, we're growing and everything else, but yeah. So, but it's, it's listener driven. And it's up to you guys. I mean, that's what I'm doing. I'm not just talking to, I'm not talking down here for the benefit of my own fucking health. I know all this shit. I'm just talking to you guys as, as to share my knowledge or my opinions, um, with you guys and, uh, and, and the interviews and all that. So, you know, and I, and I think as a community, we can, we could keep it growing, right? Not again, not only myself, but Alex show, Joe show, what have you. And, uh, yeah, anyway. So really, it's up to you guys, because apparently putting up show graphics and everything else daily is sort of a, I mean, here and there. But it's certainly no tried and true method. But uh, anyway, back to here. What do we got here? Uh I always love this one. Well, the game is speed, pass, skate, and shoot. Not about how hard you can drive someone's head through the glass. Glad to see the caveman days are over. Many thugs over the years left Better players on the sidelines. Oh sure, yeah. Oh, I love this. I I actually replied to this guy. Um, it it, it just yeah. Oh, like, are you just are you gonna parrot the hockey news, or are you do you have any original thoughts on the matter, or like really it just you live in fantasy land, man? I always love this one. The game is about speed passing. Well, it always has been. In fact, back then they actually scored more. So I don't know where you're going with this line. But uh, it's not about driving someone's head through the glass. Oh, okay. Uh, there is physical contact, so I don't know what you're talking about. Um, the caveman days are over. Uh, all right. many and These thugs that took... Yeah, because there are so many great players that were destined for the fourth line. But uh, they just they kept Jody Shelley instead and Jay Caulfield. And and left the other big time goal scorers in the AHL. Yeah, because that's how it works. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I do like some fighting, but not the heavyweight bouts that always seem staged. Oh, yeah. There we go. This is like, and I'm like, and this is in the hockey fights and brawls page. These are supposed fight fans. Um, What does that mean? Staged. Now was nah, okay. Now, were there some fights that you're out here, I'm out here, we should fight. Yeah. I always say though at the same time, um, you know, everybody that bought a ticket didn't seem too upset by it. Um, you know, I I think people somehow have this all of a sudden they get this like comp, this moral comp, this moral uh you know, they try to take the moral high ground that, you know, that they didn't cheer for it. Um, yeah, you didn't mind when the home team guy won. Um, now, it's now, to say that fight was staged, i.e., whatever, as I kind of look at it, when you say staged, it didn't mean anything. I've heard that say, that fight didn't mean anything. Well, I always said, well, how would a fan know? In fact, how would an announcer know? They're not on the bench. They don't know everything that's happened. They don't feel it like the players feel it. And the two guys, it meant something to the two guys involved. Now, am I saying every fight was an air quote state Yeah, there was some, I'm sure there were. But... There's a lot of shit going on down there. And, uh, you know, every once in a while it needed to be straightened out. Um, I always think the best way to intimidate is to fill the net. Oh, yeah. Keep the goo. It keeps the goons on the bench. Any coach that sends a good, well, a good, I'm sure he meant goo, sends a goon out to take someone should be canned. Oh, yes. Because there is just so many coaches these days sending out those goons after people oh again like just this fantasy land like did coaches send people out yeah not with so many words but if you were a tough guy you didn't need to be told you knew if you got the tap on the shoulder you didn't need to be told at least if you were good at your job you shouldn't have been having to you shouldn't have to be told um again okay if it's five nothing and you score two more goals how is that more intimidating it's not intimidating it's uh and that's not what, uh, it's, this guy sounds like such a clown. This is the same guy. It's about speed, not caveman. Old George here, like, oh my God, like, just beat it already. Um, I don't mind fights either. My problem is where one of the stars, McDavid or Matthews and others, get a cheap shot or a knee, and there is no fight response. Yes, you can fill the stat sheet from penalties, but you end up losing players that will see injuries on the sidelines. Well, yeah, that's, that's the whole point. It's, um... You can't enforce anymore. Like, I'm sure the other guys would like to go after the guy that goes after McDavid and grab him and slap him around and and whatever. But so that's the other thing now with these fight fans. I've, I've brought this up before, so again, I'm not going to circle the drain with it. But um, you know, there was a reason when like Gretzky and Hall and those guys weren't touched because if you did, that guy that did it would be dealt with. It didn't matter who it was. Like if it was another skilled guy, you were going to get it. Nowadays, if A hits B, C goes out and fights D. Because, oh, they can't fight A or B because that's a different, they're a different weight class and they're on the first line and I'm a fourth line, the code and all this. This is where the code has diluted people into thinking, like, you you know, so yeah, I could go mess this guy up, but since I'm a goal scorer, the the other goon, the goon's gotta go fight now. Like, that's not really how it's supposed to work. Like, if you messed with Gretzky or whatever, McSorley and Semenko were coming for you. They weren't going to go, well, to send a message, I'm going to go fight the other team's tough guy. Well, that doesn't send a message to the guy that punched Gretzky in the back of the head. So, you know what I'm saying? Um, oh, go take shots at your sister with a, with a rubber ball expert. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, George is, George is hot at me. He just replied. Because I replied, God, are you living in some hockey news fantasy land? Do you even have any idea what enforcers did? Or are you just going to parrot what all the hockey media tells you that they did? That was his big reply to me. Well, go take shots at your sister with a rubber ball expert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, George knows. Okay, George. Well, I'll deal with you when the show's done here. Um... Don't be surprised if it makes a comeback with the bigger players being drafted. It's not Again, these people live in some NHL bubble. It's not coming back. Clearly, you're not paying any attention to what's going on in junior hockey. Um, yeah, so you just kind of scroll on. Most people are like, yeah, I wish it would come back. Or, yeah, we need more fights or whatever. Um, cycle through Yeah, yes, of course, there will be cycles of tough players who can score. The days of no-skill punch men are over. But a bunch of guys will always love to throw them. No, they won't, but okay, Steve, keep living that dream. Um, yeah, right here, yeah. The kids don't even know what an enforcer is or would be. They are taught skills, not toughness. Well, uh, I, I mean, I get the sentiment. I get what this guy's trying to say. Um, you're not taught how to be tough. I mean, it's like, it's either you are or you're not. But it's also your, it's a product of your environment. Nowadays in minor hockey, at least in Canada, the hitting starts later. It used to start, I believe, in Pee Wee. Now it's like there is no hitting unless you're playing a Bantam Elite or AAA Elite. There is no contact in hockey anymore. So I think at a younger age when there was hitting and rough stuff, that sort of got, you just became tougher. Or you just kind of, your toughness grew with the game as the game got a little more physical and everything else. The physical guys just got, I mean, but even back then, everybody likes to, I mean, some people like to talk in the 80s and 90s that, that all these guys were warriors and tough guys. I mean, oh no, there, there's been candy asses for every decade of hockey. There's always been, every team's had cupcakes in their teams that won't go into a corner. But, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just the, the mindset is different today. So, but, yeah, you can't teach toughness. You either are or you aren't. Um, league refuses to protect star players and force her kept stars safe. Well, that's true. Well, basically, the league has taken, um, with the rules, uh, have taken the players policing the game themselves. It's taken it right out of their hands. So, yeah, I agree. Um, just kind of scrolling on. Maybe not enforcers, but more willingness from rostered players to play physical if needed. I think the fact that players don't fight much anymore also opens them up for injuries. Mm. That's why the minor leagues are better, to, are more fun to watch. I agree. The one and done rule has made it pretty well impossible. You can fight more than once in a game. I don't know what this person's talking about. Enforcers who have the wheels to keep up. Well, with who? Who are they keeping up with? You don't put your enforcer out against the top line. Um, I, again, this, this horse shit that goons can't skate or something. It's like, okay. Like whatever. Uh, I don't care what era or what decade you played in. I'm not talking about the minors because the minors is a different show. But in the NHL, um, this I if if you could if you couldn't skate, you weren't playing in the NHL. If you couldn't skate, you weren't gonna play Junior. Like this he's gotta be able to skate. Well they can all skate. Now compared to McDavid, no. But if you can't keep up, they're not keeping you. It doesn't matter how tough you are. But you be Mike Tyson. If you can't skate, you're not playing. So, all right. When Probert passed, the family scattered his ashes in the Penley box. Well, that's that has a lot to do with the topic, Robert. What is the uh, squirrel? You know, God, these people. Absolutely. We also might want to consider action against the refs that chose to put on blinders night after night or just seem to tar- target a particular team. Oh, sure. Um... Why, why are you targeting the refs? Personally, if you if you put on blinders, that would actually get people mad and should actually lead to more fights, should it not, dipshit? Yeah. Oh, this guy, no, it shouldn't. Position players need to square off more often. Watching the heavyweights all the time gets old. Oh, yeah, I always hated watching guys that knew what they were doing. I'd rather watch a couple first-liners play slap and dickle with each other. Sure, Kenneth. Yeah, whatever you say. Yeah. I want to see skill. Oh, yeah, because I want to see a real Austin Matthews dust-up. I really want to see old Mitchie Marner throw throw hands. He was always more exciting than Baumgartner. Yeah, great question. The answer is yes, totally. But it's fast nowadays. You have to be able to skate as well. Yes, because, like, back in the day, Gartner and Pavel and Messier and Gretzky, and oh, they were all just slow as fuck. Yeah. Uh, Maybe not in Fortress, but every team needs some toughness. Look at Pittsburgh. They get pushed around every playoff. Yeah, but they lead the league in hits. Yeah. Only if they could take a regular shift and not take up a roster position just to fight. Remember Gillies and Tiger and Al Secord and Bob Probert, guys that could fight but also score 30 goals? That's what we need. Oh, sure. Yeah. And, you know, and the moon is made of cheese because guys like that just fell out of the fucking sky there. John, are you serious? That's why those guys were elite. And Rare like unicorns. That's why the power forward term they were unicorns because they were very hard to find But just like oh, but yeah, they just every team should have a guy like that. Oh sure. Yeah. Yeah I feel it's more euro play these days. There needs to be more toughness, but head trauma is a real thing Yeah, well, you're playing a contact sport going 35 miles an hour. Yes, head trauma is gonna happen Never mind from the fighting. I take my chances in the fight than getting caught with my head down coming across the middle uh, yeah. Oh, no, every man for themselves gotta be tough to play the game. Oh, well, that's, yeah, because every area, again, they go back to this era where, you know, all these guys were in the 60s, 70s, and they, oh, and they were all so tough. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and they, oh, everyone fought back then. No, they didn't, but okay. Oh, you gotta learn to stick up for yourself. Well, you do have to learn to stick up for yourself, but at the same time, from a general manager's standpoint, um, Enforcers spend more time in the sin bin helping out the other team. Well, most of the time if they fought, you're both going off for fighting, so no, not really. But, okay. Uh, There's one guy, except instills fear and intimidation to the other team knowing there's a bugard or a prober who might take a run at you if you fuck around. This guy, if you can't take a check, don't play the game. Okay. Old Nick Marino here. Yeah, Nick knows. Uh, And this guy's like, yeah, it's more knowing that Scott Parker or McSorley... Are going to take a suspension just to break your leg, not the bo- not to body check you, exactly. Yeah. Anyway, you sort of get the point here of the the flavor of the post. Like I said, a lot of the people, a lot of folks were like, yeah, yeah, but then uh, others there were, uh, yeah. Like I said, it, it, it's it's rare. Like this is a fight group. All right, let's get into this. This is the 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 portion of the show that Tim's been dying to get into here. The list, where, let's bring it up here. The top 10 toughest Detroit Red Wings. <clears throat> All right. Written, uh, March 13th, 2022. So it's fairly, uh, Peter Paul Honsky. I'm not even going to try to, yeah. Whatever your last name. We'll call him Peter P here. <laughs> um, Motown, the Motor City. Detroit is a proud blue collar Midwestern city. That at one time was home to 1.8 million people has fallen from grace, but absolutely on the upswing, even the city's darkest times. The Red Wings have been a bright spot for many Detroiters. People who have pride and character define themselves by their work ethic and resilience. There are players throughout Red... Red, (coughs) Pardon me. Try this again. There are players throughout the Red Wings history who have personified these traits or are immediately embraced by the city. These players on this list... Had heart and grit when they laced up the skates wearing the winged wheel on the sweater. And the fans were for, be forever grateful. Alright, let's roll into this. As I said with all these lists, I do not read these ahead of time. I am discovering them for you. So, with that, let's get on to it. Here we go, the top ten toughest Detroit Red Wings. <laughs> hot start folks, hot start. Number ten, Nicholas Cronwall. Oh, there we go. Dr. Chris is pumped. Uh, though he is not the biggest defenseman in the league, Cronwald stands 6 feet, weighs 195 pounds, delivered some of the most devastating hip checks the NHL has ever seen. Players who were on the receiving end of the hit would often open their eyes, only to be staring up the rafters, hearing the crowd roar. You got Cronwald. Cronwald was just one of 28 players to be a part of the exclusive triple gold club. Players who receive a title have a received this title have won gold medals at the Olympics, World Championships, and a Stanley Cup. Uh, finished third all-time games played the Detroit 953. Cronwall is gifted offensively, The uh, yeah, 16-year career, blah, blah, blah. Um, I, well, I, well, I will say with Cronwall, he did hit like a truck, without a doubt. Um, he threw out some massive hits in his day. Again, perfect example of how the rules protected him because Nicholas Cromwell, I've looked this up before, Cromwell never had a career fight. So once again, uh, big hits, always lead to fights. While well, Nicholas Cromwell never had a career fighting major. So there you go. Um, yes, um, I was never a Cromwell guy for this exact reason. I have no problem that he threw all these hits and whatever else. Uh, but again never had to back up his shit would run and hide and you know, whatever Um, you know, like I said people love to yell at Scott Stevens. Jesus. He had a hundred and some fights Cronwall zero So and i'm not just saying this for exaggeration. No, he had zero career fighting majors. So Um, yeah, so there when anybody throws out the hits lead to fights there I should have brought that up in the previous uh in the previous section. Yeah, there you go. That guy never had any so but anyway number 10, okay uh number nine, Brendan Shanahan. Well there you go. Often described as the final piece of the puzzle, Red Wing Stanley Cup dynasty. Uh the only player in history to reach both six hundred goals in two thousand minutes. Hartford Wheelers traded in Detroit in nineteen ninety-six. Uh is a premier power forward, sending six three, two twenty. No one for protecting teammates with his fist, as well as driving the play. Shanahan famously collided with Patrick Waugh, the Avalanche in midair during the fight night at the Joe. The big Irish would often throw out the Joe Lewis Arena when Shanahan would drop the gloves owed to his Irish heritage. Uh, 21 year career. Shannon retired with 656 goals, 1354 penalty minutes. Yeah, Shannon's one of the greatest, if not probably the greatest, power forward of all time. Um, could do it all. Um, I'm not sure how many fighting majors he had. I should look that up sometime. But played right from 18 on. I uh, had some great bouts. Fought, you know, he fought Probert, fought Brashear. Um, you know, whatever. I will say with Shannon, every time he fought, he certainly looked pissed. Um, you know, I'm a big fan of Brendan Shanahan's, uh, loved him as a player. Um, yeah, definitely deserves to be on this list. Number eight, Chris Chelios. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Chelios notorious ad, chater, hated by opponents, loved by teammates, had a career that spanned over 26 seasons. That's unbelievable. Tying Howe's record for seasons played, often having just as much success in the score sheet as he did getting under the opponent's skin. Uh, Chelios won the Norris Trophy. Uh, who demonstrates throughout the season all-around ability in 89, 93, 96. Chicago Natives and the all-time NHL villains. Um Chalice famously did not retaliate, forcing Hextall to receive 12 games, of bench. blah, blah, blah. Um Chelios took a victory lap around the Vancouver Canucks Ice in Game 6 for the first round of the 0-2 playoffs, raising his arms and taunting the crowd when he was awarded the first star of the game after recording four assists and a 4-2 win. Retired at age 46, second oldest NHL player after Gordie Howe. Yeah, kept himself in tremendous shape. I, I was never a Chelios guy. Um, couldn't fight worth a shit. Um, I don't know how many fight career fights he had. I I seriously, like for all the fight DVDs and everything I had... Um, I don't, I can't remember Chris Chelios fight. I really can't. I mean, I know in the brawl in Philly and all that in the, in the 80s, in the playoff brawl, but, uh, pregame. But just one-on-one Chelios fights, I'm just like, I, I can't remember. Here, I'm gonna hit pause. I'm just curious to go, I'm gonna look at, go, uh, hockeyfights.com. I mean, what are you gonna do now? But I'm just curious to see what they got down for the amount of fighting majors that he has. <clears throat> well, I just looked it up. Well, they're claiming he has 60 career fights. It's like, I got, I swear, I've, I don't remember any of them. So um, I'm not saying that obviously they, they have the stats there. He did. I mean, I know, but that was the thing. He had a couple like 300 penalty minute seasons. And it's like, okay, like you have 300 minutes and what fight once or twice. That's the thing. And you're a Norris Trophy defensive. Like the guy's a Hall of Fame player. I mean, as a coach, that, you must be pulling your hair out that this guy's getting 300 minutes and penalties and fighting twice. I mean... That's a lot of useless misconducts and, like, need you on the ice, man. Now, again, I understand guys have to play that way to be effective, so I get that whole thing, but at that point, if you're the coach, you're like, okay, cut that shit in half. Like, make it 150, you know, at that point. But, I mean, you got dudes getting 300 minutes at, with, and a Hall of Famer at that and getting one or two fights a year. I mean, that's a lot of bullshit penalties that you're taking. Um, not that I'm, you know, trying to be Mr., you know, whatever, but... Oof. Yeah, but no, great player. Um, I was never a this guy, um, but yeah, I get it. Um, number seven, Vladimir Konstantinov drafted 11th round. Really? That's hell of an 11th round pick. Uh, along with Syria, the first two members of the historical Russian five, Red Wings drafted him at the time when teams. Thought it was silly to take players in the draft from Russia due to the Iron Curtain and Communist Soviet Union after being discharged for medical reasons from the Soviet military Konstantinov made his way with his family over to Detroit when he arrived in the fans saw five eleven, did not play small by any stretch of the imagination earning the nickname Vlad the, Vlad the Impaler punished players every time he was on the ice with crushing body checks upending players submarine style hits afterwards and having a stoic face void of emotion um yeah I mean you know big dude like well obviously what it, it seemed Really, five. I always thought he was like 6'3". three. seemed big. Um, yeah, big-time hitter. Um, you know, would never fight, obviously. But, um, you know, it's an, it, this is an interesting list so far because, you know, it's like, whenever I think of these lists, I guess, and maybe I'm wrong for doing it, I always think of, like, just the fighters, right? Um, I guess, yeah, when you throw in guys that would always play, like with Chelios, Chelios always played a physical edge, was dirty, whatever have you. But he was, I guess, you know, that tough, gritty... Cromwell, yeah, okay, he never fought, but I mean, he did friggin' throw out some massive hits, same with Konstantinov. So, I mean, I guess I get where they're coming from in terms of air quotes toughness. Again, I guess I view it, I mean, I guess I'm wrong at viewing it just from strictly from a fighting standpoint. Um, so I kind of get what they're going at, but, um, you know, and that's okay. I mean, it's the writer. If he, old Pete here, he can, uh, pistol Pete can write whatever he wants. It's his, it's his, uh, vlog. So, um, or blog, I guess, but, um, you know, I guess if I was ever sitting down and doing these lists, like if somebody told me write down the top 10 Detroit Red Wing fight or tough guy or what was the thing? Oh, the 10 toughest Detroit Red Wings. Um, yeah, if somebody had just given me a piece of paper and told me to sit down and write it down, um, You'd get a list of 10 fighters, you know, or, well, like Shannon, I mean, I don't classify Shannon as enforced, but you know what I'm saying. You'd get, I, Cromwell wouldn't be on my list. Chelios wouldn't be on my list. Um, Konstantinov wouldn't have been on there. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have had guys that fought, so maybe I'm in the wrong. Um, again, I guess it's everyone's interpretation of toughness. I get it as I'm saying it and I'm reading the article. Um, I get it. I mean, guys that were through big hits. I mean, yeah, I mean, Cromwell would be tough to play against, you know, with his hitting and everything else. So, and, uh, you know, same with uh, Vlad. So, you know, I get it, what they're saying. Um, I just view it differently. I I guess I always just default right to the fighter, right? And that's, uh, you know, you know, ah, you got to maybe look at it a little different. Or I should be looking at it a little different. Um, number six, Steve Iserman. <clears throat> All right. Uh the new owner, Mike Illich asked to turn the franchise around and league from the Dead Wings. Starting the '87 season, a team named captain Eiserman. The captain at 21, making him the youngest captain in team history. Ultimately, ended up uh, leading the Red Wings to five first place finishes, three Stanley Cups spread out over 22 career season. Dressed as captain for over 1,300 games, Stevie Wise longest serving captain in North American sports history. However, when Scotty Bowman got to Detroit '93, he demanded Eiserman change his game and become a two way center. Despite struggling at first, Eisenman became one of the best two way centers of the game. He was a true player's captain, willing to do anything for the team. Including playing injured, blocking shots during the 02 season. He reaggerated knee injury, forced him to miss 30 regular season games. Returned to the playoffs uh, through wincing and pain. He made his return, uh, to the bench from shifts. After being in Carolina and winning the Stanley Cup, he underwent knee realignment surgery. Man, that's tough to play on a. Imagine playing on a knee like that, and then as soon as the game, the season's over, you go get it real readjusted ish. Um, again, <laughs> I don't, I, I I get what they're saying with the injury, play through it, block shots, captain, and all this. And, um, again, they're using the word toughness different than I would. I'm not saying they're wrong. I'm not saying my way's right. Uh, again, would I have Steve Eisenman on this list? No. I get as they write and read, and I read what they've written about the guy. Okay. I get what you're saying, but, you know. When I start reading off all these names, it's like, okay, what doesn't belong here? Um, I have nothing against Eisman, obviously Hall of Fame player and all that, but if I'm like ten toughest Red Wings, are you putting Eiserman on it? No. But all right, uh, number five, Ted Lindsay, known as Terrible Ted, was part of Detroit's famous production line. Production line uh, earned the Stanley Cup four times in five years. In five years, entered the league as a 19 year old kid in 1944. Lindsay. Quickly had to learn how to defend himself, earned a tough reputation quickly using his elbows and knees, leading the team, leading the league to develop penalties for elbowing and kneeing opponents. Uh, Lindsay also championed for the fellow mind by a fellow man by attempting to start the NHLPA in 1958 uh, when he learned that better treatment of players and uh, when he learned of the better treatment of players in other sports. Um, the NHLPA not it was not fully formed until 1967, though Lindsay worked dog, dogged. Doggedly in the early days, in the early days, hoping to earn better treatment of NHL players, ducked in the Hall of Fame in '66. Lindsay refused to attend the event because his wife and children were not allowed to attend, as it was a male-only event at the time. The rules were changed the following year, allowing women to attend. Jesus Christ, seriously, your husband's going to the Hall of Fame and you're not allowed to go? Like, Um but yeah, I can tell you that a lot of player, every player should bend over and or kiss. Ted Lindsay's ass for the NHLPA thing and battling it out. Um, I know there was a lot of saltiness between him and Gordy Howe over this because Gordy Howe was the great, was the best player at the time, and Lindsay was like kind of telling him like, if you go along with this union thing, that'll get everybody to go along with it, and whatever. And Howe wouldn't do it. Um, so, and I know there was a lot of resentment between him and Lindsay for a long time over that, um, or Lindsay resented him for a long time over that. There was always a little bitterness between them, but um, yeah. But Ted Lindsay, um, you know, obviously, I don't know how many fights he was in. Um, you know, different back then, they didn't fight as much, a lot dirtier with their sticks and obviously with the knees and everything. Um, but yeah, I would definitely have him on the list. Um because the stories of him uh, you know, and the and the shit that he played and did was is legendary. Number four, well, Gordy Howe. Oh, that's number four, really. Um another member of the production line, six feet, two hundred pounds. Gifted scorer, uh, not afraid to deliver punishment to opponents as well as score goals. The Gordie Howe hat-tricks when a player scores it's just fight in the same game. Uh, Mr. Hockey you known, 800 goals, uh, 1,800 points. Um, his record stood until Gretzky broke him. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously you got to put Gordie Howe on the list. Um, probably one, probably the original power forward, I guess, so to speak. Um, again... Um, I'm not going to go on and on. I've talked about Gordie Howe. I think his fighting, uh, prowess over the years has grown to mythical proportions. Um, I, I've read articles and things and as as I've, you know, as I'm, as I do with the, with being a student of this and reading up on the history of fighting and hockey and everything else. Um, a lot of house fights are greatly exaggerated. I know as soon as he mentioned Gordy, Lou Fontenotte, you know, that's the one fight everyone points to. He broke Lou's nose. And again, if you go and read the actual newspaper articles from that, from the day of that game and you read the recap of it, um, it's like anything. The Detroit paper says Gordy whipped him. The New York paper says the fight was pretty good and Lou was in it. Um, both guys have talked about it and, and both guys have claimed, well, I don't think Fontenotte ever said he won but he certainly said that it wasn't as one-sided as as historians and how fans have made it out to be, which has sort of bore out through different articles and from talking to different teammates and people that were there. Fontenotel got his licks in on how, too, so it wasn't the one-sided beating everybody likes to yell about these days. But um overall, yes, the original power forward. Number three, Darren McCarty. <clears throat> McCarty dropped in the second round in 92 took on the enforcer roles remember the grind line with Maltby and Draper uh, and sometimes Joe Coaster won the Stanley Cup with Detroit four times in 17 years often dropped of the gloves in defense of his teammates um, refusing to let teams take shots while they were on the ice um, yeah I mean you know famously pummeled Claude Lemieux in the reading match game blah 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 everybody knows Darren McCarty's story um, yeah I, I like Darren McCarty left handed kid out of the OHL um solid player good fighter um actually, I went down the rabbit hole one night on him I was sort of not that I wasn't sold on McCarty. i didn't uh I didn't remember him I guess i well I guess i i can say I didn't remember him being as tough as he was I knew he was pretty good but then when I went down the rabbit hole I was like god damn this guy you know not bad at all um yeah no I'm down with dmac um i'm I, i'm glad that he's um, you know, kind of conquered his demons that he had there. He's battled with drug and alcohol and, um, you know, obviously, um, well, I don't want to say famously, but, you know, went bankrupt and lost everything and whatever, but it sounds like he's kind of making a comeback and, uh, and, uh, and doing better these days, which is good to hear. Um, actually I recommend his book. Definitely get his book if you have a chance. Um, yeah, I'm down with Darren McCarty for sure. Number two. Well, just number two, number, yeah, okay. So obviously, number two is Joe Koser, number one is Bob Probert. Um, obviously, I don't have to read the, uh, uh, the write ups on either of those guys. You guys listening know. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, Probert, Koser, McCarty, How, Ted Lindsay, um, Shanahan. I mean, overall, that's a pretty solid list. I've, I, you know, off the top of my head, I'm, it's a, it's 11 at night here, so I'm blanking out, but, um, you know, I, I mean, again, when, when we talk about the toughest, how are we, how are we viewing it? Um, are, you, are we going with fighters? Are we going with hitters? Are we going with both or, um, so everyone's interpretation of it is different. Like I said, if, I guess if the list had said the top 10 best fighters in Red Wings history, okay. Well, then we could have had a pretty good laugh. Um, 10 toughest, again toughest is everyone's interpretation of it is different, so I get where they're coming from um, in terms of who they picked so, um, but yeah, no, that was a fun little list I thank you for sending that to me and um, yeah, I hope you guys dug it, um, well we're an hour in um, like I said, I, I, I'm sorry that I was late with the episode today, like I said everything sort of, just sort of caught up and uh, you know, things happened and uh, I wasn't able to get it out on time But, uh, but I got it out, got it out, I didn't want to leave you hanging, so maybe, maybe after this, listening to this episode, maybe I should have left it out, (laughs) maybe I should have left you hanging. (coughs) Oh, I hope I don't catch something, I think I've been outside, you know, breathing hard from the shoveling and sucking in too much, I don't know, but, uh, you know, I think my little tightness here, so hopefully I'm not catching something, but, uh. But anyway, folks, uh, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Once again, I hope everybody had a really good Christmas. I know the weather's been shitty in a lot of places. And and like I said before with the airline travel and, and just general st- holiday stress as we all go through. Or um, or some people go through with the holiday seasons, um, you know, with the family or with the in-laws or what have you. Um, I hope everybody just uh, took time to enjoy it, enjoy what Christmas is supposed to be all about. And um Yeah. Thank you, uh, for, for tuning in. Um, I guess the next time I'll talk to you will be in 2023. Uh, that's pretty wild, eh? Like, where did 2022 go? Um, to be, as I'm sitting here right now, as I say, to be completely honest with you guys, do I have some special, oh, it's gonna be some big New Year's episode? Uh, no, I have not planned anything, actually. At, uh, December's been a crazy month here, of course, at, you know, at the start with my wife's health issues and, uh, just with the, like I said, with Christmas and, Here, there, and everywhere in the snow and work. And, um, I, uh, every year I always say, Oh, I'm going to do this greatest hit show and I'm going to get this guy on and we're going to do all these things. And, and, um, you know, I, I guess my intentions are always good, but, um, it's just hard. And like I said, when you're, and when you're relying on working with other people, um, it's just tough. And I don't expect them to just drop everything and come on the show. So, um, I don't know what's going to happen for the New Year's episode. Um, I know last year I took out certain sound bites from different interviews and played them. Um, I might, if I have time, I might do that. Um, I might try to get some people on. I don't know. Um, I'm not going to promise anything, but, uh, we'll see what happens. Like I said, everybody's busy. And, and like I said, with the, with the weather across the country here, Um, you know, people certainly have other issues to deal with rather than come on a show and and talk to me. So, and I, nor do I expect anybody to do that. So, um, I, I have nothing planned as of right now, but we'll see what happens. But I will come back and talk to you guys for sure. I just don't know about what, but, uh, again, I hope everybody had a great holiday. Thank you very much for tuning in. As I always say, I know there's hundreds and hundreds of hockey podcasts out there. And I really do mean this. The fact that you chose to listen to my show, I greatly appreciate it. And, uh, and like I said, I, I, I love hearing from you guys. If you ever want to drop me a line, fourth line voice on Twitter and on Facebook, I'm always, follow me, give me a a like or, or a friend me, I guess, or follow me on Facebook. Um, I'm always putting up fight pictures and videos and, and that sort of thing. And and I love to hear from you guys. Just, Hey, as they say, jump in my DMS and send me one and, uh, you know, uh if you want to talk about the, you know good, bad, or otherwise at the show, if there's something I'm doing that you that you bugs you, let me know. If there's something I'm not doing that you wish I did, let me know. If you want to come on the show and you have a story to tell or what have you, like I said, just anything, or just want to drop me a line and just talk some hockey fights. If I know, I talk to a lot of guys and they're like, "Well, I like listening to your show and talking to you because I don't have anybody, I don't have anyone in my life to talk about hockey fights with other than than the people in the group or with myself, right?" So absolutely drop me a line i'm always i'm all ears and uh i always enjoy talking to uh fellow fight fans and uh and ex-players and all that stuff so yeah like i said if and if you're not on social media you're smarter than the rest of us i wish i could do that um but i would say everyone's got an email right so just send me an email hockey fights all one word hockey fights at hotmail.com uh drop me a line and uh absolutely i'll get back to you love to hear from you but uh, other than that, guys, thank you very much for tuning in to episode 271. And, uh, wow, so it's pretty wild. Um, I guess I'll talk to you, cats, in 2023. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a good night. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?